Hey, what's up, Geekscape? It's uh, brand new Geekscape. We're sitting here in the Boom offices with uh, my good buddy Mel Kalo. Now, Mel, what, what is your uh, a job here at Boom? I am the marketing manager here at Boom Studios. I pimp comics for a living. But so that's you, you don't like make comics yourself. I do you want to make comics? Ah, uh, you never know. You know, I I, uh, I read enough comics, but I do not know how to draw. I've never tried to write a, a comic, so... You're trying uh, to write anything? Mm, I've, I've written short stories, I've written in my journal, but uh, I have not tried to write a comic book script. Because no. we've known each other a few years. Yes. How come I've never read your journal? <laughs> because <laughs> it's private, man. Do you really keep a journal? Well, like, you know... Dear diary. It's Today not... I saw... Dude, dudes do not keep diaries. We keep journals. Is there a big difference between a journal and a diary? Like, I don't like, know. That's kind of a question for the Geekscape. Like, <laughs> is there really that big of a difference between a journal and a diary? You just watch now my Twitter feed will blow up when people are saying I'm sexist. No. Well, it's like with a journal, it's, it's, it's not like you're on the USS like, Beagle like exploring the world. Sitting there being like, oh, today we discovered a new island, and it's very interesting. I will report this back to the queen. Like, well, like, like you're not doing any, like, a journal. Like, you're an explorer? There are times an when... An emotional explorer. You know, when you, know, when you have a momentous occasion happen, you want to record that and say, hey, this is when this happened on this particular day. How often do you write in your journal? Uh, probably once a week. Yeah. Maybe on once Friday, every Jonathan two weeks. came back and was <laughs> on that, came by and was an asshole about my journal. <laughs> <laughs> I regret telling Jonathan about my journal. <laughs> <laughs> December 6th, 2013. Um, but, but you used to work with Arkea, and then Arkea was purchased by Boom. That's correct. And uh, they didn't fire you, which is a testament to your ability. That's always a good thing. Always a good thing. Um, what, what do you think, like, like let's talk comics, because obviously like that's the strong suit with this episode. Is we got a comics guy, we're going to talk comics. Um like, like Arkea was kind of uh, looked at as like premier, hardback, awesome like presentations of artistic, like uh, graphic novels. Like, is that kind of right? Yes. And then Boom made comic books. Like their stuff, like Irredeemable, all that stuff is is awesome. Like, obviously, I love you guys because you made the Farscape comics, you know, which has a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but how how do the two marry each other? Like. Is this a natural combination? We, it was a natural, it was definitely a natural fit. It was like two pieces in the jigsaw puzzle, puzzle perfectly interlocking. Mm -hmm. Boom did things that, Boom does things that Arkea doesn't do, and uh, Arkea does things that Boom doesn't do. Uh, Arkea brings with it um, a nice uh, aesthetic to its presentations. Um, I would almost say that they're boutique books, they're very niche. But uh, people have come to know Arkea titles to be to stand for high quality production, uh, really really edgy stories, and you know really cool artwork. Boom um, probably does about fifty percent licensed titles and fifty percent um, uh, creator shared titles. Mm -hmm. um, like the Adventure Time comics, are we those? The right, Time that's comics that's that one of the what's one of Boom's biggest uh, licensed titles. Fraggle Rock. Uh, Fraggle Rock is an Archaea, Archaea book. book, right? Okay. Uh, right now I'm getting confused. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, Archaea, um, you know, has a very good relationship with the Jim Henson Company, and then you know we did Fraggle Rock books, we did uh, a couple of Dark Crystal books, and then we did uh, the Eisner Award winner Tale of Sand, which mm -hmm. was based on that unproduced Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell screenplay. That was weird. It's very surreal. You gave that to me. Yes. They had this unproduced screenplay, which was like an experimental film almost. Yes. And you guys, honestly, like, if you're into like really cool art books uh, and experimental films, really, mm -hmm. go look for Tales of Sam because Jim Henson had an unproduced screenplay. Mm -hmm. And this is it. And it is so experimental. Like, it is a big film school movie. Oh, totally is. But the key to that book was pairing it with artist Ramon Perez. Yes. Uh, who at the time that we were working on it, we, you know, wasn't as uh, well known. So you know, uh, but he knocked that thing out of the park. I think that was uh, uh, one of the things, or if not the book that put him on the map. So you know, after that, he got you know, a ton of work at Marvel. He's done covers for Boom. Um, you know, he's you know he's doing uh, as I speak. He's you know he's doing the tour circuit. He's like traveling to different countries where Taylor Sand is published in the for in, in that country's language and he does uh, panels and presentations but uh, Ramon is super talented also a super awesome guy so uh, uh, that was just just one of the examples about how Arkea tends to or has a track record I think of breaking new talent and you know 
Ramon is just one of those guys. You know, on the boom side, um, they, like I say, they were doing, they do single issues a lot. Arkea never really did single issues. We did uh, single issues a couple of years ago, then we kind of stopped and would you say Mouse Guard was a single issue? Yes, single yeah. issue. Yeah. Mouse Guard was probably the only title we were doing in single issues. Ongoing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we we pretty much resorted to doing original graphic novels, straight to graphic novel. Uh, but now that we are now uh, in the Boom family, you know, we are launching uh, a couple of uh, miniseries in single issue form first. Uh, the first one just debuted, actually, called Hawk and Melee. Uh-huh. Uh, number one of five came out uh, this past Wednesday. Is that based on the PC game, the Hawken like mech game? Yes, it is. I don't know if you guys are playing it, but it, it's kind of a free-to-play mech game. And uh, I played a little bit at E3. It's I think it was a lot of fun. Yes. But you guys are doing basically the comic book version of the the Hawken game. That's correct. We published a, an original graphic novel called Hawken Genesis. Uh, it came out earlier this year, which is was a... Uh, a, pre- a kind of a prequel story to the s- events in the game. Did it do well? Or it like did. It did uh, very well, okay, which is so those, why those we did. Those kids like to read. They're not like just. It's you know it's one of those things because surprisingly there's not a lot of there's not as much crossover as you think That's between think, people yeah. who play games and people who read comics, you know. But I think that uh, this property kind of towed that line pretty well, and we were able to uh, bring in a bunch of the video game audience, and at the same time bring in some of the comic book readers and have them try the game because it is free. To play online, uh, so this series, Hawk and Melee, it's a follow-up uh, to Hawk and Genesis, but instead of putting out as an original graphic novel, we split it into five single issues. And and is it going to be in the, the like Mouse Guard format where you can't put it in bags and boards? No, no, this is traditional comic book size. <laughs> Have you guys ever thought about you know because Fraggle Rock was like that too? Fraggle Have you guys Rock, ever right. thought about making your own bag and boards so that people can not have a bunch of mouse guards like bent all over their we, apartment? We definitely investigated that. That then it wasn't. You know, it was very cost prohibitive at the time, but who knows? You know, with uh, with the resources of Boom behind us or behind Arkea now, that might be something that we can look into. Or does it just actually push the hardback versions of Mouse Guard? Because it's like, well, if you don't want them bent with like coffee stains, just get the, the hardback. Is that was that kind of the was that the game there? The 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 bait and switch? No, where no. You, you kind of like you know, it's like you're a crack dealer. <laughs> like like the first one's free. Like hey, take this in this flimsy form, and you'll maybe like the story for the twenty pages of what it is. And then, but if you want it to last, you got to come back and pay whatever for the big hardback. I've I've always thought that the audience for the single issues is different from the audience from the collection, the collected editions. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, you have the diehard collectors who want to get every single piece of uh, uh, Moss Guard that comes out, and that they will collect the single issues, or they can't wait for the story. And that goes for any comic, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much any comic. But then you have those guys who just wait for the trade or the collection in general, or people who are kind of casual customers, not your traditional comic book fans. Who it's easier for them to um, gain entry into a story by just reading the whole thing in one mm-hmm. in one shot. In one, I full, full also swoop. think that it also cuts down on like the big ADD factor. Not that the readers have ADD, but that the industry that we're submerged in. And mm-hmm. I'm also talking about video games and movies yeah, and topic comics uh, and television, of course. Like has this. I mean, it's just a constant barrage of new things. So if you're reading weekly and you're really not on top of your pull list, right? You're going to lose that story unless you go trade or hardback, trade paperbacks. Um, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know the number of times that I've uh, missed something on my pull list. And then it comes out on trade paper, you know, and I've only missed like one or two issues. Those are now completely, up, you know, expensive on the collector's market. And I have no option but if I want the full story to go to trade in, in hardback. So I just say, you know what? Like things like with Walking Dead, I'm like, you know what? I'll just read it and trade. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I was going to ask you about the the video game crossover with the Hawkins thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is it true? Have you heard this that uh, you know DC's being coy with the information, but their their DC universe or their their um, like Mortal Kombat what was the name of that the the fighting game that they put out the DC fighting game. Uh- you know how they also had a, a comic book proponent, like component to the fighting game that they put out. Yes, and, and I heard that that is actually their biggest digital selling by a lot. Injustice, right? Injustice, gods for all. Yeah, God, gods among us, all that. Mm-hmm. Like I heard that that is easily their biggest digital title, like by far. And the the numbers are released because it makes all the other DC like Neo Fifty Two books look like nobody's picking them up because <laughs> Injustice is is being purchased so much. Those are the diehard com- DC comic guys, you know. I mean, uh, 
with with things like Marvel and DC, I think that there's much more potential for a crossover between the video game guys and the comic book fans. Just because everybody knows, as everyone brands. knows those characters or those those iconic heroes, and you know, um, I know that Injustice was a big deal for them, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the tra- if that's the truth if that's the case. Right. Um. It, it, like, what are your breakout hits? I mean, I know that that Boom put out a movie based on one of their comics, Two Guns, this mm-hmm. past summer, did well. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple more, like, things coming out in TV and film, right? And I mean, to the point where Booms, didn't you guys start, like, your own film, TV, media arm? We announced uh, a few months ago that we entered into a relationship uh, with uh, 20th Century Fox, where right. we give them, they have uh, first look at all of our titles, um, and uh, we have access to their vast catalog of, uh, you know, TV shows and movies. Um, so yes, I would say that. I mean, I mean it's I, it's it sort of is like having, um, you know, Marvel has you know, its own Marvel Studios group, and you know, and DC has the Warner Brothers uh, studio behind them. I, I would say this is almost like that, but you know, in its nascency. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. But you, so you guys can take some of the things at Fox Television or Fox Studios and say, okay, well, let's do the the print version of that, or let's let's try and uh, augment like the publicity of that new movie or TV show coming out with this trade or with this you know comic book series, and we can kind of handle that. And then if they look at you and go, you know, like is the Rust movie going to be through Fox? Rust is at Fox, yes. Yeah, and then and, and I love the first Rust book. That's the one I have, like the first Rust book. It's it's honestly one of my uh, favorite hardback comics I've ever read. Thank you. Uh, I remember when I read it two, three years ago on the floor of Zach Haddad. He's a geekscapist. Zach Haddad's apartment, the, like the night before Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't sleep, so I just started pulling all this stuff off of his shelves and reading it. Mm-hmm. And Russ was the one that I thought was incredible. Oh, great. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't sleep the night before Comic-Con. You get like that? <laughs> Are you like a kid on Christmas like the night before Comic-Con? You probably sleep because you get there like three days early. Yes. And have to set up the booth with all those interns yes. that I see. <laughs> Here's the process behind the, behind the scenes when you're an exhibitor at Comic-Con. I always show up early to set up the booth, and then I meander over to harass Mel, <laughs> which I do at every con. I harass Mel only because I see him literally whipping interns. <laughs> is that necessary? <laughs> well, the humiliation, you know, I think, is just as bad. How else are they going to you know, do the things you ask them to do? No, I don't whip interns, Jonathan. Come on. Do you give them like, a silent stare? I lead by example. I get there early. I make sure I get there first, and, you know... You know, they follow my lead. I lead by example. You know, I don't want. To I, I don't want make interns do anything that I wouldn't have done or haven't will not do myself. This is uh, going to come off horribly racist. Uh, what about dressing up as Mr. Fuji from the WWE and like really like threatening them? Remember how he was just like a silent enforcer? That is racist. It's okay. absolutely racist. <laughs> have you ever thought about cosplaying as Mr. Fuji? No. Well, one year as a Halloween, I dressed up as Odd Job from uh, that's good that James Bond movie and. Uh, that, I look pretty threatening. Why don't there. you just dress like that? I don't think that the physical, Why? like, because hitting them is wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Every 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 part of like the problem with having both of us as exhibitors is uh, it gives like you know when 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 the floor is open you're super busy yeah and when you're setting up you're kind of busy mm-hmm. and it gives me free reign to go and like just annoy people. <laughs> like, I never right. said you annoyed me. I'm always happy to see you when I see you. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> you guys should have seen the look he shot me. <laughs> like, like, I know, I, like, don't BS a BSer is basically what that look was. <laughs> so, like, what are the big things, like, like you know, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. What are, like, what's the stuff sitting in your warehouse you have to move? I mean, uh, what's the stuff that you really think the Geekscapists would, like, make, like, good Christmas gifts? Well, you know. Or Hanukkah uh, gifts or Kwanzaa gifts or, you know, whatever ancient <laughs> gods they worship. I think that uh, Boom makes Boom and Archaea produce a lot of good entry-level type books. If you're looking for gifts for people who don't traditionally read comics or graphic novels, um, we were talking about Tale of Sand. I think that's a great entry book. Uh, if the person does a lot of drugs, well, I'm not saying you know who's to speak about someone's lifestyle. Okay, I'm not going to criticize it. The emails you guys get about Tales of Sand, like those people are stoners and stuff. Like you guys get a lot of like people who be like, "Yo, it was so trippy." 
Nope, never saw anything like that. No, I'm even on the it's even super on Twitter. Trippy. It's trippy, of course. But you know, it's the visuals. The visuals, you know, take you to another world. And the fact world. that Jim Henson wrote this thing in the seventies, early late sixties, late sixties. Yeah. Oh yeah, nothing was going on there. <laughs> <laughs> nothing was going on there. I no idea what you're talking about. Get ready about. for the return of Summer of Love with Tales of Sand. <laughs> I think that should be your campaign. You think so? Yeah. You should write all our ad copy. Drop some E and read Tales of Sand, an interactive three-dimensional experience. That was Jonathan London, not yeah. me. Saying I that. liked the book. I think the artwork's amazing. Yeah. Um, we also have, uh, uh, coming out, Polarity. The trade paperback for Polarity just mm -hmm. came out. And that's that Max Bemis uh, uh, story. Uh, Max Bemis is the lead singer for a group called Say Anything. Yeah, Say Anything. And... Um, uh, he did this four-issue miniseries that Poom published called Polarity. Uh, we just put out the trade paperback uh, this week. Um, and it's a really f fantastic book about a character with uh, bipolar syndrome, uh, uh, much like Max. So it was semi-autobiographical for him. But right. it's a really great story. The art is so accessible. Uh, I think that will also make a great gift for someone, you know, who's someone who maybe even a fan say anything. But even if not, I think it's a, a great... Uh, a, a nice story that uh, people can uh, en enjoy and be entertained by. Somebody was telling me about that book because uh, she's a Say Anything fan. Mm -hmm. Because I think we were talking about, um, you know, uh, Gerard Way's books over at Dark Horse. Yes. You know, and I guess Image has Killjoys. Or, uh, no, that's Dark Horse. The, 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 the Killjoys comic that Gerard Way writes. Yes. And she goes, oh, did you know Max Bemis has a comic? I had no idea. Mm -hmm. But that's it. Polaris? Polarity. Polarity. Polaris is the X-Men character. <laughs> Polarity. <laughs> and, um, and that's a good one. Yes. Right? Uh, we're also launching a new series this month called The Midas Flesh. And The Midas Flesh is the first book in a new line of titles that we call Boombox. Boombox. What yes. is that? So you know how bo there's Boom Studios. Then yes. we have imprints Kaboom, which does a lot of the all-ages books the like stuff. Adventure Time yeah. and regular show. All-ages, really. Because like, I'm 30... You know, five-year-old man, and I read the Adventure <laughs> Time. I love it. Uh, we had a line. We have a line called Boomtown. Uh, we have a line called, of course, Arkea. Right. And now Boombox, which launches with this new title, The Midas Flesh. It's created by Ryan North. He is the writer of all of our Adventure Time comics. He also and the 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 art the artist team on it are uh, Shelley Paraline, Paraline. I might be mispronouncing it, and Braden Lamb. And they're the artist on the Adventure Time comic. So the, crea mm -hmm. the Adventure Time creative team is doing this uh, really wacky but so, so funny series called The Minus Flesh. And, uh, the Minus? The Minus, like the Minus, uh, the like, minus yeah, Touch. Like minus Touch, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's launching uh, December 18th, actually. Uh, and Boombox basically is a, uh, a new line of books where we go out to, um, you know, a, a lot of those... A lot of these edgy creators who we've worked with in the past, mm -hmm. a lot of them have done work on uh, Adventure Time and regular show, and even some artists and writers who uh, that we just find their creative creativity is just like oh, it's just fantastic. We just we just gave them right. free reigns. Like if you had your wildest dreams, what do you wanted to create? But, what um, would you do? But the big two aren't going to hire them because it's superheroes. You know what I mean? So like 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 what is your I mean, is this uh, is Boom kind of not a place? I mean, obviously you guys have Irredeemable and, and, and all that stuff. It, you know, Incorruptible. Mm -hmm. uh, it, what about the superhero fans? Like, if if somebody's listening to this right now and they're a superhero fan, mm -hmm. but they don't want to deal with all the Marvel and DC continuity, mm -hmm. like, do you guys have something to offer them? Yes, we do. Um, you know, we work with Paul Jenkins. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Deathmatch is a is a series that he's writing for us. The twelfth issue. The 12th and final issue is actually going to come out very soon. And Deathmatch is basically um, Battle Royale meets superheroes. And, but, it's, but it's probably going to be... Did you, did you read that Avengers Arena thing? You know, where they took, like, the young Avengers... They just finished it in Marvel. They took, like, all the characters nobody cared about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Like, like the Avengers Academy and, mm -hmm. like, you know, now the Runaways, which, you know, the Runaways are great. When, you know, they were great. And now it's like, what were we going to do with the Runaways? And they put them all on an island. And um, and uh, arcade was controlling the island, and it was basically like battle royale or Hunger Games, and they just he was forcing them to kill each other. Mm -hmm. And it just finished, and literally maybe six of them died. <laughs> you know, there, there were like twenty of them, and, and like by the end of it, like 
I, th- I don't know if they got if they got pressured by the fan mail, but just being like, "Why'd you kill my favorite character?" They probably right. got one of those emails, right? Because I mean, I didn't know who half these characters were, right? Well, like the new Darkhawk. Like, who cares? Kill him, and they wouldn't kill some of these characters. And by the end of it, it was like, "Oh, we defeated Arcade and we were freed." And I was like, "No, I wanted like one person to walk out of there." Wow. Well, you know? see, this is different. You know, these are all made up. I mean, not made up, but uh, all of the hero- superheroes in Deathmatch. You know, obviously haven't existed anywhere else you know they kill them but they've all it's it's been dwindling down yeah. it's literally getting from you know you go from a 128 to 64 to 32 there's that many of them well yeah well so it's, it's not that like many i'm just saying it's okay. it's but you know you have heroes and villains in the same arena and you know being forced to kill each other by this mysterious overlord or mysterious person who has you do the same thing with your interns at comic-con here's the thing at comic-con i show up and he's got like 20 interns last day at comic-con he's got two and you're just like chewing on a femur and i'm like what what happened you're sitting there like you want some barbecue i'm like i no. there's a ring on that like what that's a hand the funny thing that your audience right now cannot see is that uh our PR assistant, Stephanie, is also in the room. She is a former Arkea intern. She's laughing over She's there. She's the one that survived. <laughs> she, she probably did some deal and was like, Mel, listen, I'll drown a couple of them. At the party tonight, I'll make sure a couple of them drink. They slip off the pier. Like, she's, I'm not even safe being here. I know how you run things, Mel. I kill him with kindness. So this one is called Deathmatch. Yes. And it's awesome. Yes. It's, it's you, very you awesome. You know the boom book that I loved? And, 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 and i got to talk to Who's in charge over here? Mr. Ritchie? Ross Ritchie Ross is our CEO and founder. He's not in his office, but I'm going to talk to him about this. I bought this four-issue series from Boom, and I really enjoyed it. It was a couple of years ago. Don't worry, you weren't involved. Arceus wasn't part of it yet. Mm-hmm. And it was called Death Run or something. Do you remember this, stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it was it was this guy, right? And, okay, so, so between L.A. and it's the future. Yeah. It's got to be like a wasteland future. And between L.A. and San Francisco... It's just a nuclear wasteland. Like, it's radioactive waste everywhere. And so, you, you know, this guy is a messenger who delivers things from L.A. to New York, but he gets paid a lot because he has to go through radiation exposure and there's mutants out there and stuff. And I thought it was a cool concept. Yeah. So somebody hires him to transport something from L.A. and New York and he, but they, or to San Francisco, and he doesn't know what it is. Oh. And, and he can't ask what it is. It's like the transporter. Yeah, it's like the transporter, but it's in, like, in like Mad Max mutant, like, you know, Mega okay. City 1 style. Okay. And I thought it was so cool. Yes. And as I was reading it, I was like, this is awesome. I think he finds out that it's a bomb or a per... It's a bomb. And, they're, you know, they're going to kill... You know, it's these two gangs that are feuding, and he wants to destroy... You know, the, one of the gangs wants to destroy San Francisco. The guy gets maybe 20 minutes out of L.A. That was the whole series. Oh. Like, talk about a promise without a payoff. Like, I thought it was so cool, and I was like, dude, this would make such an awesome film. It's like the Transporter meets Mad Max meets, like, Judge Dredd. The guy maybe made it to like Thousand Oaks, <laughs> or whatever the future was. Uh, Thousand Oaks, like he maybe, and then he was like, "Oh, I fought some mutants, and I came back, and now I'm gonna pay pay back the people who hired me with the bomb that they sent to destroy San Francisco." <laughs> and so, uh, like, what? You never actually see San Francisco. Like that was the pro- uh-huh. like that's why I bought it. Uh-huh. You, is he gonna be in later? Like, Ross will probably be in okay. there. Yes. All right. What's he look like? Um, he's a rather you know. Nice gentleman. How much did he weigh in case I hang him over the ledge with, the, with his ankles? Oh, yeah. Like, come on. we got to finish that book. He, he, can, he can beat you down. Okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, I love the book. No, I, I really enjoyed the book. I'm like, this thing needs a sequel where he actually goes to San Francisco. I have to read it now. I haven't. I think it's called like, Death Race or Death Run. Will... It's obviously not Death Race. But when you talked about Death Match, it reminded me of it. Okay, I will. I mean, I have not had the chance the to read every promises. book in the Boom Studios back backlist so man you're holding on to your fingernails at this job if you haven't done that <laughs> you guys have like the worst book you've ever published who arkea boom no, boom like 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 you, you obviously can't say it but sometimes you like go in the and you're like Oof, we're never gonna move that <laughs> you ever go to like warehouse and like oh we love all of our titles the same it's like asking a parent to choose a favorite child you can't do that but they do well like deep down they don't talk about it so you're not talking but like your eyes are betraying it I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I'm not even looking at you. Well, let's talk a little bit of news, and then I'll stop the abuse. <laughs> All right? Okay, we got to talk about the biggest one. Which is the what? It's got to be Paul Walker. How yes. sad is this Paul Walker thing? Uh, very sad. I am a big fan of those Fast and the Furious movies. And um, I was shocked. You know, I was definitely shocked when I first heard the news. Someone texted me and said, 
all the text said was Paul Walker question mark exclamation point. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm. And then she said, he died in a car accident. I was like, what? It was so insane. Yeah, and it's funny that he was a subject of a, a death hoax two days before he died. I didn't know that. Yeah, because people were saying this is a conspiracy because the TMD story is cached from two days ago. Mm. And yada, yada, yada. And then what they were looking at was the actual hoax story. Like, right. he didn't die. It was a hoax. But then two days later, he dies in a car accident. What I heard was that one of the, produ- like, one or two, whatever producers, uh, you know, there's the conspiracy mm-hmm. of uh, Fast and Furious were involved in some form of, uh, like, a lawsuit or they were going to get arrested for some kind of, like, smuggling. And if you look it up, you'll actually see it. Uh, there, there were some people who weren't keeping their fingernails clean. And the, in the conspiracy I heard, because that lawsuit actually exists, or, or wow. the arrest thing actually exists, um, was that Paul Walker was killed to take attention away from, you know, the producers who were up to no good, who did this. And, and I just think, like, that whole thing is just a bunch of BS. I hear that the car was having problems, and they drove it anyway. heard that they were racing. I mean, the whole thing is just awful. Um, favorite Paul Walker movie... Granted, that's my phone going off. I'm stopping it right now. Don't worry. <laughs> How unprofessional. Don't worry about it. <laughs> come on, look at me. I'm looking um, at you. It, it, come on. It, it ain't professional. <laughs> um, Eight Below. Best Paul Walker movie. I've never seen it. What? Is that the one with the dogs, the huskies? Yeah, yeah he leaves, like, like the, the company he works for in Antarctica forces him to leave, and he leaves his dogs behind, and he has to try and scrounge together money and Jason Biggs to go back there and save his dogs. They're like freezing. Dude, because a storm was coming in, they had to leave immediately. They couldn't take the dogs with them. And he's like, I got to come back for my dogs. Dude, that movie yeah. will mess you up. Is it a Disney movie? Hell yeah, it's a Disney movie. I saw it at El Capitan, like opening day. <laughs> I'm, I have never seen it. You got to watch that movie. That is, I'm telling you right now. And right now you're laughing. You're like, I'm a tough guy. I like to race, like watch the car race movies with the ladies. I'm telling you. Because I'm a tough guy to tough guy. Mm-hmm. All right? Eight below will melt your frozen heart. <laughs> That's on the poster for me right there. You hear me? Like, 8 Below. Have you seen 8 Below, Steph? Look, she laughed. <laughs> she goes, no. <laughs> I like the one where Vin takes his shirt off and he, like, fights the rock. I like seeing the dude sweat. I like Tyrese. And it was like, what? Guys, give 8, eight Below. And, and a couple of geeks gave us to bag me up on this. Uh-huh. And not only that, but I'll tell you in a bit. Um, 8 Below is the best. Paul Walker movie and, and he made a lot of good movies uh, Fast and Furious movies of course and a lot of people like Running Scared but 8 Below is the one that like that was different and it was awesome and I watch it with my dogs and they freak out they get so stressed my dog Texas knows the dogs in the uh, movie are in peril oh boy and he, they stress out so let me tell you a little bit of Paul Walker mm-hmm. um, I was at these Machinima Inside Gaming Awards the other night yes Nina Cooney didn't win that's all you need to know oh sorry okay so um I'm, I'm with my, our buddy Adrian Escaria, who was on the uh, he was on the show a couple months ago. He had Paul cast to be Agent Forty Seven in the next Hitman movie. Really, yes. taking over for Timothy Oliphant. And they were trading emails and all that. Oh. And it was like I mean they had things set up for the production. They have a shooting date. Da 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 da. He told me some of the things that were going on. I definitely can't share them, but um, he was devastated. He goes, this is just weird. You know, like, we're trading emails about appointments we had to make for the production of the movie. And then I get this, and it's like, what? Uh, he, I love Adrian. Mm-hmm. The man was in a daze. <laughs> okay. Not, I mean. Because he, he was still reeling from the death. He was reeling. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and I held him. Oh. Put my arm around him. I was like, Adrian, please, you're going to get through this. You just got to put one foot in front of the other. And he goes, thank you, Jonathan, for your wisdom. That didn't happen. The bromance didn't happen. But it was obvious. Like I love Adrian, and he's a he's a good guy. But it was obvious that this had like not just affected him on a professional level. Mm-hmm. And I think that that says a lot about Paul Walker. That that uh, most of the things you hear about um, are not about the you know not just about people reeling on a professional level. And sometimes when a when a star dies, it's like oh my god, the box office this, the box office that. Um, but if they're wrapped up in drugs, then nobody's really talking about that stuff, right? Right. But Paul Walker is somebody who was by all accounts a great guy and everybody loved him everybody who knew him loved him and then boom he's gone Mm -hmm. and most of the feedback most of the outcry is what a person he was and that says a lot 
It does. Especially about the loss, which is the saddest thing ever. Um, you've got to watch Eight Below. I will put it on my Netflix list. It's not watching it. What? Do you ever watch anything off your Netflix list? Like, it's kind of purgatory for the movies, right? Like, that's what you watch when you don't have anything to watch. It's like, it's like, it's like you know, it's like uh, astronaut food. You ever have that stuff in the back of your cupboards that you're like, well, I don't want to go to the store. I guess I'll eat that thing I bought a couple months ago thinking one day I'll eat it and I still haven't. That's your Netflix list. You no. know that, right? No. Are you aggressive with your Netflix? It, like, no, you're, you're right. You're it, right. It's kind of it's kind of. And you have those wasteland. things in your cupboard that like you never eat, right? Yeah, I probably got a couple of cans of corned beef hash in the back somewhere that I bought two years ago. Oh, don't eat it now. <laughs> it looks like something from the Wastelands from that Death Run book or whatever the heck you guys published. I think that mo- I think that book could make a cool movie. Well, but you, you gotta know? go to San Francisco yeah. in the boot. Like you gotta fulfill the promise to the audience. Th- that's something we'll raise with our VP of development. Mm. You, I want to be in that room. You want to be in that room. Yeah, I want to be in that room mm-hmm. and be like, listen, Jason Statham makes it all the way to San Francisco in the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm casting it for you right now. <laughs> well, who doesn't want to see him behind another wheel of car transporting yet another thing? He's typecast. Yeah. But then again, he was supposed to be in Fast and Furious Seven. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what the, the movie's now? pause indefinitely. I heard that somebody's furiously rewriting number seven. Yeah. Not necessarily to integrate the scenes that have already been shot, which were all the dialogue scenes were kind of shot because mm-hmm. they wanted to give James Wan a chance to kind of prep for the action sequences that are going to be shot in Abu Dhabi. That's the news, that there is going to be a huge scene to start the movie in Abu Dhabi. And um, they wanted to give James Wan a chance to kind of know the crew, know the, the actors. Yeah. Um, <coughs> which is why the movie was kind of on a break uh, when Paul Walker died. Didn't he direct the last one? Six? No? <coughs> That's Justin Lin, man. They don't all look the same. That's racist. Oh, this is the Saw guy. This is the Saw guy. I got it. The insidious guy. Insidious guy. Okay. <coughs> so that's why they were on a break. Okay. Um, so, the, I mean, we've covered the Paul Walker stuff a lot on the site, and it's just super sad. Um, so let's cheer everybody up. Speaking of Fast and Furious, <coughs> they cast a Wonder Woman. That yes. girl, Gal Gadot. I guess that's her name. Is it Gadot? Gadot? I don't know, but she was uh, the girl in the first, last two Fast movies who was, like, running around with, like, Han, I guess. Yes. And... And uh, now she's cast as Wonder Woman. Are you down with the Wonder Woman casting? Why not? I just I'm glad that they <coughs> they have Wonder Woman as a character in this film because I've been dying forever to have Wonder Woman show up on a TV show or in a movie. Right. You know, I think it's embarrassing to Hollywood that they don't have a Wonder Woman movie out yet. Did you see that fan film that uh, Riley of Vanderbilt was in? Yeah, but I wasn't totally into it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's just a bunch of posing. It's like a screensaver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like there's no story. It's like, the, the, like big pregnant looks off camera. And then you, you, you turn and there's something there. And it's like, oh, I better stand with my sword. It's like, I don't want to see that. And, and, you know, and, and people keep forgetting that there's another 300 movie that's about to come out. I think 300, yeah. 300 was it. We liked 300. Mm-hmm. But by the time Sucker Punch came out or other things that started to borrow from that style, I think we were done with it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't go any further down that road. You know, I wouldn't try and be the next 300 doing what 300 does. You know what I mean? I think that's a mistake. 300 is what it was. And a lot of that was influenced by, you know, the Varney and, um, and uh, you know, the artwork from... Oh, Lynn Varney? From Lynn Varney and, mm-hmm. and, and obviously uh, Frank Miller. And, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. But everybody who's trying to do things in a 300 style, I think it's like... You're doing a cover song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm, you know what? She looked like a good Wonder Woman, but it was like slow. Oh, well. Slow and pregnant, and it's supposed to be epic. It's like, no, no, let's see her kick some ass. I thought it was well done. In like an action sequence. We can agree to disagree. Mel, that's what I love about you. <laughs> I don't think you should treat your interns like that. And you say you should. You say it gets the job done. Obviously, you're part, you're part of uh, a boom now. Yes. So uh, they, they're, they're a part of that. We don't have interns this semester, by the way. Yeah. I, we, we yeah, decided I, I guess s- the word got out. We skipped a semester. Well, let them heal. Heal <laughs> 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 from their welts. <laughs> Steph, what was the worst thing Mel ever did to you as, as a, an intern? Were you at Comic-Con? Or, like, WonderCon? She was at WonderCon. 
Yes. So that was like nine months ago. It took her that long to be like, all right, I guess I'll take No, she was an intern over a year ago. So it yeah, was it's the worst. 2012 okay. WonderCon she's okay. talking about. And what? I, I, I think she had a great time. When you asked, when you asked her for the, you know, you know, when did you? I mean, maybe she applied for the job, but when you was like ready for another tour, you, <laughs> like you almost approached it like you know, general. Like you, she got drafted back. She's like, oh my god. When oh. the position was created, oh, listen to the voice change. When the position was created, and uh, my boss uh, Philip Sablik, he's the VP of uh, publishing mm-hmm. and marketing, he asked me like, uh, who do you want to go out to? And I told him I'm going to go out to uh, a lot of our former interns. And she's the one that didn't run as fast as the others. We interviewed about a dozen of former Arkea interns, including a few who weren't, who I thought would be, uh, you know, good fits if they if they um, if they worked out. Uh, it was pretty good competition. I think you know. Whoa. Uh, Stephanie beat out a, a, a good crew of applicants. I think. Cast her as the Wonder Woman. <laughs> sure. I, I, I like this girl as Wonder Woman. Uh, a lot of people are, be, are pissed off that the Wonder Woman doesn't have the curves or does, isn't like seven feet tall like an Amazonian or isn't built like an Amazonian. They're like, where's right. the boobs? Where's the, you know, and I'm like, are you casting a Wonder Woman or are you just casting something for you to look at? You sick fetishistic, <laughs> like, like pervs. Um, I'm curious to see how they're going to uh, design the costume. Well, her, her powers aren't physical powers. They're based on magic, right? Like they're based on her... Being an Amazonian who's raised with this, you know, the, this mythology, and she can really, she can still be that strong, mm-hmm. even if she doesn't necessarily look strong. But the artwork for uh, for Wonder Woman has always been that she is jacked, that she's strong. You know, she's not She-Hulk, she's Wonder Woman, but still she's got that mythical ability to 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 be to have a power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people are upset with that. I like the fact that Gal Gadot has that Mediterranean look. Gagadot, and I know I, I, I second you on that one because that was like the, obviously the big problem with Electro with you know yep. when they did Electra and Daredevil they were like what you know Jennifer uh, you know she doesn't have the the look you know I mean I, I've always thought that you know Wonder Woman should have been a little bit more uh, because she's from Amazon and I, I feel always felt that that was kind of a you know it's, it's a Greek society so it's got that Mediterranean aesthetic to it and Gal is uh, Israeli. Um, and uh, you know English is not a, f- a first language for her, so That'll she has cool. a slight of an accent, which is great. I thought it was f- cute that when she announced on her Twitter, when she goes and she put Wonder Woman, she misspelled woman as the plural, plural form. Yeah. And I just attributed that to the fact that you know English is not a second, it's not a first language for her. But I thought it was endearing that she goes yeah. Wonder Woman, yay, you know, all that <laughs> and, kind of stuff. And you know what's cool about it, uh, and and this will probably silence most of the haters. She served in the Israeli army. Yeah, she can kick butt. Like, she can kick butt. Yeah. Or at least shoot some butt or maneuver a tank over some butt. Like, she can, she, like, she's done some things. You know, the Israeli army is no, is, is no you know, laughing matter. We can be, right? we, we cannot be sure as to actually what she did. Killed people. Uh, in the, while she served uh, in the Israeli army. Um, you know, whether, because uh, there are different roles in the army. Um, right. I'm not saying that she couldn't kick ass, but you know there are probably people out there who are investigating what she actually did while she was while she was investigating. Yeah, those people have so much free time. Whatever. I, I have a couple students when I teach film on Mondays. I have a couple of them who are using their GI Bill to get their degree, and they're like, you know, when they when they entered the army, this is what was told to them. They're like, we don't care if you're a cook, a secretary, or whatever you are. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a you know, if you're answering phones, you're going to take fire. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was something that they all had to learn early on. Oh wow! Especially when they were going to places like Iraq or they're going to places like Afghanistan, it doesn't matter what your job is. Mm-hmm. If you're on the base, you're going to take fire. And so people who were like cooks were taking fire. And here's the crazy thing that like uh, you know Afghani's or or the Iraqis would do um, whenever they wanted to throw mortars at them, right? Because they were like, well, how the hell? Like we don't even see them, and we're getting hit by mortars. So listen to this little tactic. You would take the mortar and you'd put it in the pipe with ice under it. Uh-huh. And then when the sun comes out, like you go out in the early morning hours, right, before the sun comes up, and you would put a thing of ice in, a, in the tube, the mortar tube, and you put the mortar in it. When the ice melts, the mortar hits the tube and is ejected. 
Interesting. So it did. So so it's almost like an inaccurate timer. Yeah. But you could go out there at three in the morning, four in the morning, five in the morning before the sun comes up, set up these mortars, and then based on how quickly the ice melts, and it gets pretty damn cold in those countries, so mm -hmm. it could ha it could last until one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, once the ice melts, the mortar would be triggered and launch off, and all of a sudden it hits the base, and they were like, we, we didn't even see people out there with a mortar launcher. Because they didn't have to be there. Is that, does are you sure that works? The yeah. water from the melting ice doesn't... Because it's a physical, like, ping trigger, right? Oh, the I back see. Of the mortar. Oh, so once I the see. ice... Once it, it makes it's, contact. It's physical. Gotcha. It's not electrical. It's nothing. It's just like once it makes contact, mm -hmm. really simple. Once it makes contact, boom. The hmm. mortar goes off. It was insane. That's fascinating. Yeah, just follow the ice trucks. <laughs> you know? Just, like, follow the people that, like... How did we get here from Gal Gadot? Because we're talking about uh, whether or not being in the Israeli army meant that she had seen any combat. Got you, if got you. In the you. army, you saw combat, you went through training. Right. And the Israeli army is no laughing matter. Yep. So, I'm, I'm okay with the casting. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. You're gonna get. Oh, you know, that's the problem. Like, these kids, they they they're like, oh, Batman, ah, Ben, you know, it's like, go back to literally when you and I, Mel, were like. Because we're similar age. Like, when we were, like, 10, did mm -hmm. you think we were ever going to see these movies? No. Yeah. And now we're just kind of happy to be here. Of course. You know? Like, you know, we, we've talked uh, on the show about the Spider-Man movie. People know my thoughts on the, the amazing Spider-Man movie with, Andrew, you know, with Andrew Garfield. Um, the, uh, the, the fact is, we got a Spider-Man movie. And I think the Spider-Man in the movie looked great when he was swinging and stuff like that. So I wasn't a big fan of the story. So I wasn't a big fan of some of the character stuff, right? The trailer, the new trailer came out. I still start scratching my head a little bit that there's like a Richard Parker storyline about his dad that seems to be taking more uh, importance over the actual person that raised him, which is Ben Parker. I think that's a little wonky, but you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to see a Spider-Man movie opening day. Exactly. Good or bad, I'm seeing a Spider-Man movie opening day. So don't complain. No, and, and you kind of liked the Amazing Spider-Man. You thought it was fun. I did. I liked it a lot. I liked Andrew Garfield. I do like Andrew Garfield. I I, I think he's a good Peter Parker. I liked the the chemistry he had with uh, what's her name, the actress who plays Gwen. Emma Stone. Yes, you know, and you know, are they still dating in real life? I don't know, but I think the chemistry on screen was really was really good. I liked it. Um, and I haven't actually seen the trailer yet for uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I've heard, you know, you get glimpses of Electro, of Rhino, and yeah. who's the third villain? The Well, Harry Osborn becoming the Green Goblin again. Right, right. Who, who seems, I mean, you start to think about this Oscorp stuff, and it seems like it really is the ultimate Spider-Man, mm -hmm. where Oscorp was the basis for all these animalistic villains being born. You know, you see eels in a tank, obviously Electro. You see, there's one sequence I thought was kind of cool. It was just a shot going down the, the hallway in the trailer, and they're passing, like, the different numbered uh, experiment, play, you know, they're, they're, where they're holding each of the experiments, and they're numbered, obviously, through six. Because mm -hmm. the... Sinister six. Sinister six. Uh, and they pass a one that's holding what looked to be vulture wings. Really? And it's like a suit you put on. It's like a backpack with wings. Oh, awesome. And then they're passing another one, and it is Doc Ock's tentacles in a, on a harness. <laughs> so there's a harness with wings, like the vulture. There's a harness with Doc Ock-like tentacles. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, they're not going to be shy about it. They're doing the, the Sinister Six. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We're just going to wait and see what happens. Right. Um, uh, w there's been some f feedback online. Um, I, I just pray it's a good movie. Like any of these movies, though. Like any of these movies. Days of Future Past, we haven't seen it yet. I pray it's a good movie. Yeah, it look, trailers look good. Trailer looks good. And then the news that had hit yesterday, which is crazy, because Sony had just released the Spider-Man trailer. They gave it a couple hours. <laughs> and then Brian Singer and Fox, like, well played, gentlemen. Yeah. They just took the piss out of them by being like, this is all it, this is all it took. It just took Brian Singer tweeting out, X-Men Apocalypse 2016. So they already are planning the movie after Days of Future Past for mm -hmm. 2016, May 27th, 2016. Yep. Apocalypse. Crazy. Possibly the villain Apocalypse, probably. It's either, I mean, it's got to be the villain Apocalypse. Who else could it be? Yeah. What if it's just a really bad day? <laughs> the X-Men in a really apocalyptic situation. They're all of a sudden in like a Roland Emmerich movie. <laughs> Brian Singer's like, I'm not going to do this one. Roland Emmerich's going to do it. And all the fans are like, what? It's like the X-Men are like, oh my God, everything in the universe, in the world is getting destroyed. It starts on like all these epic shots of like giant monuments around the world. And they get destroyed. The X-Men got to do it. I'm sure Brian had to get permission before he could tweet that. 
but uh, oh, it was, I think it was designed to take the piss out of Sony. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, they're both making Marvel movies based on Marvel characters. I know that one is Sony, one is Fox, and you know, obviously Marvel has their own studio uh, that they do movies in. But uh, aren't they all the same? That's what I said. Family. Why? Where is there a need to feel what, competing with each other? What I wrote was, you know what, guys. Us geeks have enough room in our hearts and wallets for both those movies <laughs> and the Marvel movies. What I don't think people have room for, talking about the studios, is making these movies constantly. And I don't want Sony to lose Spider-Man because if Spider-Man goes to Marvel, how much, how many movies are we going to get a year? You know, Marvel at this point is making two superhero movies a year, right? Yeah, what's could, next? They, could they really afford to make a third? I think the Netflix deal is brilliant because it's with Netflix. Oh, yeah. And they can kind of take some of the pressure off of Marvel proper, with the film Marvel, mm -hmm. especially paying for all this stuff. With Netflix, you know, this TV stuff is, you know, you can almost have different teams, but, I mean, who's going to write a check? While, you, while Disney's writing a check for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. While Disney's writing a check for, you know, another Alice in Wonderland movie, which releases the same day as X-Men Apocalypse. When, when, when Disney's writing all these checks... Are they really going to do a third Marvel movie a year? Are they going to be able to? Why not? Well, with Sony and Fox, you can't actually have four or five Marvel movies a year because the responsibility of the financing these giant endeavors is, is shared. Exactly. Does that make sense? That's why I'm like yes. okay with these movie, you know, Sony doing a Spider-Man franchise because they did two great ones with Sam Raimi, in my opinion. You know, one and two? One and two. Mm -hmm. Loved them. And, um, yeah. and and then continuously, you can still do Spider-Man forever. With X-Men and Fantastic Four at Fox, you can do one or two of those a year. Mm -hmm. Forever. The second they start kind of going back to Disney, things start to become a bit more of a burden. Does that make sense? I know they make a ton of money, but in the year you're actually writing the check for it, where's that money coming from? Does that make sense? You lost me. Well, a movie, let's say you go out and finance a movie tomorrow. You're yeah. not seeing $1 from that movie for two years. Mm -hmm. Where does that money come from? Ticket sales. From what movies? Because if you're writing a check in 2013 and you're not going to see the money from 2015, it's a giant risk loss leader. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You better hope that the stuff you put out in 2013 pays for it. Right? It'll be a while before even things like Avengers 2, even things like Captain America, even things like Ant-Man or whatever else Marvel has planned, make the money to get, allow them to start making four movies a year, which is kind of what fans are asking for That's when the X-Men and Spider-Man start coming back, especially when Disney's also paying checks for, Spy for Star Wars, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Okay, now it makes a little sense. Now we can get four mo comic book movies a year, but if everything was going back to Marvel, it would take a little bit while to, for that to, to start to work. So you're okay with Spider-Man being at Fox and... Uh, or Spider Sony? Absolutely. Spider-Man, Sony, I just, I, I, I just want the scripts to be a little closer to what, you know, classic Lee and Ditko and Romita was. Is there another Fantastic Four film in the works? Yes. Josh Trank, who did, um, uh, yeah, Josh Trank is doing it. He did, um, he did that, like, found footage superhero movie. Um, it's, it, I'm blanking on it. But, um, but yeah, there's a, there's a Fantastic Four movie, and there's an X-Force movie at Fox, a Deadpool movie still at Fox. And it's almost like, are we going to see those movies around the same time we see Apocalypse? Who knows? But obviously, Fox is able to do a Fantastic Four X-Men crossover. Like in the 80s when they went to Latveria and fought Doom. Oh, that version. That was the shit. <laughs> I just like crossovers. Every, I think all the fans like crossovers. You know? Okay, so, so, so we'll wrap up. I'm not going to keep you, but I'm really looking forward to this Rust movie. Mm -hmm. It's I in development. It I know it's in development, but I really want to see it. Me too. Really want to see it. Um, there's going to be a sequel to Two Guns, Three Guns? Uh, nothing has been confirmed yet. Is but there going to be a comic book sequel? Three Guns, the, the comic book sequel, is actually out. Uh, yeah. I think the first three or four issues are already out in stores. Okay. Yeah. So a sequel to the Mark Wahlberg Denzel Washington movie? Is there going to be one? We don't know. Are you sure? I, to quote Denzel Washington. I am not going to speak sure? out of turn. Okay. Three Guns, what about? But there's possibility. Who knows? Six Gun? <laughs> Six Gun Gorilla? Yeah, no, there's Six Gun Gorilla. What are some of the other books? That you, Six Gun Gorilla. Are you guys going to do anything with that? Um, that is all in the hands of our uh, crack development team. Mm. What else could we look forward to? I know you gave us a Christmas wish list. Uh, well, you know, there's a ton of books coming out in the first quarter of next year from both Boom and Arkea. I think we have at least five or six new titles launching per month. Mm. Um, 
uh, if you want to give me, if, if I have time to give you a rundown, let's see. Like in January, we have a bunch, we have a new Adventure Time miniseries coming out called Flipside. Okay. Uh, that's being written by Colleen Coover and Paul Tobin uh, and uh, illustrated by uh, Wook Jean Clark, uh, also known as Hunter, Hunter Clark. Um, new six issue miniseries uh, a spin off from Adventure Time. And Flipside is basically, it's like the reverse of everything. Um, then there's a, uh, uh, there's a new Arkea hardcover called Will of the Wisps coming out. Mm -hmm. It's a supernatural, gothy story set in the Louisiana Bayou. That's cool. It uh, looks really cool. That's going to be, uh, I think, uh, a, nice, uh, um, a nice book when it comes out. And the book is, is presented with a clasp, like a little uh, journal or a diary. <sighs> there we go. We're talking about journals yeah. and diaries again. Yeah. Uh, January also sees the debut of uh, Hacktivist which is a new miniseries that was created by actress Alyssa Milano. Yeah. Um, and she's she, all socially conscious too, right? Like she's part of that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, you know she's a philanthropist. She, she she's a, a big believer in a lot of social causes. She's really high on tech. She's uh, she tweets all the time. And I had to unfollow her. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good story, um, you know. Uh, you know, it combines you know hackers and activism, and uh, she came up with this concept. Uh, we liked it, and uh, we have Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly who are writing, and then Marcus Toe and Ian Herring who are drawing the book. And Marcus and Ian were the guys behind uh, Cyborg Zero Zero Nine, FJ's yeah, book. FJ's book, which you guys heard about when FJ was on the show a few months ago. Yes, so uh, that's looking to be uh, FJ wasn't uh, really right great. The party. That's rude. <laughs> that is rude. Um, we got a couple of specials coming out in January as well. The Adventure Time Winter Special, which is like an annual, but it's winter themed. Yeah. Uh, and a Bravest Warriors uh, annual coming out in January. Another Pendleton Ward, yeah. Um, well, uh, and, and Bravest Warriors, uh, one of the favorite characters on that in that series is a character called Catbug. Yeah. So this particular annual is going to be all Catbug, like four short stories about Catbug. That's cool. Yeah, it's going to be really funny. Uh, and then we, we go to February. Uh, the big Archaea book in February um, is going to be uh, The Joiners in 3D. It's a... Wow. How, how do I put it this? It comes with 3D glasses? It comes with two pairs of 3D glasses. So you can hit share it with a friend? Yes. It's uh, black and white, but uh, red-blue anaglyph 3D. Okay. Um, if, if you don't read it with your glasses on, you can still be able to... Uh, to even if you don't have your glasses on, you sure. can still read the story. Nose, like blood starts coming out of your nose. <laughs> <laughs> You lied to me, Bell. Um, I'm not your intern. It's not Videodrome. Right. Uh, <laughs> your head explodes. <laughs> like, what was that? Scanners or whatever? Oh, scanners, right, yeah. exactly. Uh, but uh, the artist on this is David Marquez. You know, he's doing a lot of great work at Marvel. Uh, the writer is R.J. Ryan. And R.J. and David worked together on a book called Syndrome that Arkea published uh, about four years ago. Uh, so this is their next, this is our follow up project to that. And it, it's a beautiful. Uh, book. It was, it was designed by a fellow named John Adams, um, and it's a beautiful book that's you know uh, I would akin or liken to uh, like a, a dark version of the Jetsons. You know, it's set Whoa, in a future cool. society, almost like a Rick Remender style with like Fear Agent style. Like well, I'm talking about story, story, okay. yeah, story wise. So, but it's a family. Yes, right. it's a family. It's a very dysfunctional family, and, um, uh, and a lot of the adversity that they go through. But uh, it's. Black and white, it's beautiful, it uh, comes in a great package. I cannot wait for this to come out uh, in February. Uh, what was the February. name of The Joiners in 3D. And it's in February? It's in February, yeah. It's, it was supposed to come out this year, but it got delayed. One of the, I mean, I, I mentioned Rick Remender. I just read his book, Black Science, that he's doing for Image. And that book is crazy. Oh, yeah? It's a lot of fun. I mean, if you like Fear Agent and like the other stuff Rick Remender did, I thought that was awesome. I mean, I mean, are you scared of Image? Because Image is also doing like some unique stuff, like with Velvet. I think Velvet's a great book. I think Lazarus is a great book. Um, you know, you and you have to keep up with the competition. Well, yeah, of course we do. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, we also in February we are putting out a series of uh, uh, one-shot tie-ins to the RoboCop, the new RoboCop movie. Ooh! Yeah. You should have mentioned that right off the top. That's awesome. <laughs> Am I burying the lead? That's great. <laughs> That's cool. No, so you know we've got uh, we've got uh, each issue is written and drawn uh, by a different creative team, and you know we've got you know a um, uh, couple of image guys uh, working on those books like uh, uh, Riley Rossimo. We have uh, uh, shoot, 
names are escaping me. It's all right. It happens to me all the time <laughs> on the show. It does. It's our old age, Mel. Uh, no, it's it's serious. I mean, um, but yes, if you if you look up the 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 Robocop, Robocop one shots, the Robocop movie one one shot tie-ins that are coming out in February. Um, they're coming out one a week in February, and the movie comes out, I believe, in the middle of the month. That's awesome. Yeah, and these books are all, uh, they're not adaptations of the film. They're actually um, different stories set in that universe. I don't think adaptations work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I love the Farscape stuff because it was the next season of Farscape done in comic book form. Mm-hmm. And you know that, like, Miami, Miami Vice, people were like, is it, you know, just like other versions of the show? And I was like, no, it's continuity. It's stuff that takes place in the same world between the episodes of the original Miami Vice. And that comes out also in January, February, but you guys aren't publishing that. I'm sorry. That's your stuff. No, I I mean, one of these days I have to come in here like FJ and and beg for work one day. You should. You know, I don't know what to pitch you guys. You know, too busy trying to shoot these movies and things. (laughs) Okay, so I misspoke. Uh, uh, It's not Roger Ross, but it's Ed Brisson, uh, Frank J. Barbieri, uh, Joe Harris, and Michael Morrissey. That's cool. Yeah, all these guys have done you know books at Image that did really well, and they, yeah. they have their. I recognize own. all their names. Yeah, so they're each writing a RoboCop uh, one-shot movie tie-in, uh, and that's coming out every week. And then you guys will collect February. it. Then we'll collect it eventually, yeah, yeah. probably in the summer. Um, but yes, it DVD Blu-ray. Nice. Well, you know, we'll try nice. There's, there's synergy there. <laughs> Look at you! Look at you all synergistic. Well, you know. Did you ever think this would happen to you in your life? No. What did you want to do? I wanted to be a, journal- a journalist. Journalist? Well, mm-hmm. you're close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they all kind of make things up anyway. <laughs> you guys are just making up stuff now. Not journalists. I would have been. I know. You have been like, I want the truth. <laughs> um, Mel, amazing. Jonathan. I love having you on the show, buddy. Anytime. We can follow you at Mel Kalo on Twitter. Yes. At Mel. It's actually, and it's actually pretty on Kylo, but Kylo. that's okay. M e l c a y l o. Man, don't let me abuse you. I We've known each other for years, yeah. and we're doing that. Does a lot of people call you Kalo? <laughs> yes, but that's okay. No, no, no. You're no doormat. Kylo rhymes with Silo. Mel Kylo. That's okay. No, I, I've been doing that for years, that, and you never corrected me. I, you know, I don't always correct people, but that's okay. Don't take the abuse, because then I know they just pass it on to the interns. Well, because you know, because now you you had forced me to say my own name. I didn't want to say Mel Kalo. It's Mel Kylo, but Mel Kylo. Rhymes with Silo. Oh. Rhymes with Silo. All yeah. right. Uh, yeah. Follow me at, at at Mel Kylo. Then you know there's Arkea on Twitter at Arkea. There's Boom Studios on Twitter at Boom Studios. Um, yeah. Follow Obviously the, the Facebooks and all that. Yeah, there are Facebook pages for Boom and for Arkea. Uh, and uh, well, we all, and there's websites for both as well. You know, Boom Studios.com awesome. and Arkea.com. We are obviously Geekscape.net. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Jonathan Lennon on Twitter. And um, Keyscape is, this is like uh, back to the audio episodes, um, but I have meetings about what the next version of the Geekscape show will be. Till then, you guys are doing the right thing. You're subscribed to the audio show, which has been around for, what, seven plus years. Um, thank you guys for your continued uh, you know, loyalty and being an audience member. We have exciting stuff coming out. Uh, obviously, Doc of the Dead. Uh, it has a release date. I, I can't share it with you guys, but um, it's going to be exciting. And then um, we have other things going on. Uh, we will be at WonderCon with Mel. And if you come early, maybe I'll slip you a pass. You come in and you can harass <laughs> Mel with me. You're not going to Emerald City? Not going to Emerald City. Uh, okay. Not going to Emerald City. It's too cold. Well, uh, our Seattle's first year. Seattle's too rainy. Boo's first show next year is Arizona Comic Con. Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll go to that. Um, and then I know we're going to Emerald City. I know we're going to WonderCon. Uh, we are doing about maybe up to 30 shows next year so it's going to be crazy <laughs> yeah Out of 52 weeks 30 shows yeah gross uh, those are proposed you know none of the, we haven't obviously locked down yeah. every show but you know the big ones are locked down you know new york san right. diego uh baltimore emerald city do you ever wish C2E2. that you didn't get the job what's that with all these shows you ever would be like man why did i take the job why did no. i keep the job no not at all why didn't i just go back to journalism are you kidding me? This is a, a job. I'm, this is a dream job. I'm working in comics. Yeah, you're right. You're working in comics. You got it. You got it made. And you know what? Boom is doing some exciting stuff right now. I think. Thank you. Really, yeah. I mean, honestly, like, there's a lot of really amazing, amazing stuff going on with uh, independent comics. You know. And, yeah. And I mean, this is one of the big reasons. Uh, Mel, thanks for coming on the show. Jonathan, it is my pleasure. Come back anytime.
and make up lies about me. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, buddy. Take care.